Hi, good morning. Welcome to Teaching Others Also. We're here on Wednesday morning, December the 8th, 2021. Please look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And uh, while I'm saying a couple words, Acts chapter 13. 1 Thessalonians 1, Acts chapter 13. And we're doing a the daily broadcast, literally, not just a daily upload, but a daily broadcast this week. Just we're impressed to do that. have no idea why. But this thought has been going over and over in my mind since yesterday morning. And we're talking this week on of the Holy Ghost. We are not obsessing with it, as in building doctrine around it. But it's a very powerful phrase in your English Bible. And today, I'll tell you ahead of time, we're going to talk about joy of the Holy Ghost. Joy of the Holy Ghost. Now, for the child of God, this is, a, this is going to be something that every day, every day we should challenge ourselves on. Every day we should expose ourselves to verses that deal with this, songs that deal with it, the, the whole idea of it. And here's why. Uh, human nature and this world get their enthusiasm, their encouragement, their idea for living, etc., everywhere but the Holy Ghost. Christians find themselves sometimes counterfeiting joy of the Holy Ghost, sometimes just flat out replacing it. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, let's take a very short intro with these people from a place called Thessalonica. When Paul wrote this, this epistle, a little letter, and the second one that follows it, he's writing to some people that he had spent some time in their area. He had preached. He had seen some God save some people. He had seen God draw some people's hearts. They had responded, and he had to move on. And that's a whole historical thing in itself. So what he did was, he wrote right letters back. There's no telling how many he wrote, but we know that two of them are preserved in what they call the canon of the Bible. Not a C-A-N-O-N, -N, like something you shoot, you know, but a canon, C-A-N-O-N. -N. In other words, the completed scripture. Nothing wrong with some of those words. It's, it, it's a good thing to get uh, uh, affiliated with, uh, accustomed to, it's a good thing to get indoctrinated in the words that we use when it comes to Christianity and the Bible. Now, you know that we don't place education, we don't place, quote, intelligence above the Bible. However, learning to read and write and arithmetic, the three R's, which you know they're not, okay? <laughs> but the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic, are good for you. It's good for you. That in itself will not. Now, be careful, because uh, it doesn't matter if you're counting uh, apples in math or Bibles. You don't get a Christian education because you counted Bibles instead of apples. Now, you can be protecting children from the world, and I'm in my late 60s, 66, going on this year, coming year 67, so I understand, been exposed to a lot of the teaching, done some bunch of the teaching, understand about, you know, education, uh, have, have had, by God's demand, get some education myself. So here's what I know. It's not, what makes a Christian education is not what you count and stuff. 
it's a couple things. One is what you don't count, what you don't get exposed to. That helps a lot. Many times with a young person, it's what you don't get exposed to. Now, I said all that to say that in Thessalonica, to become a Christian would cost you. In Thessalonica, and we're going to read the passage, in Thessalonica, to, to claim Christ was going to cost you. Now, when we come to this passage of Scripture, okay, right here, where we're at, what we understand is, is that we're about to read where the Lord had used these people, the Thessalonian believers, as an example of some things. Okay, so let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we're going to pick it up in verse 5, so you get the whole thought. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. Would you mark that? With joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. By the way, he goes on to say in verse 9, we're going to have to say this one quickly and refer you to other things we've said about this verse, but he said in verse 9, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how, would you mark this phrase, how ye turned to God, from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Verse 9, mark it, how he turned, how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. You can turn from one idol to another. Here's the illustration I use that I, I think we can all grasp, okay? Let's just say heaven is represented by north on a compass, on a dial, on a map, okay? And you're headed south, like we were, like my crew were. We were certified thoroughbred heathen, okay? We had some sort of, you know, code of culture and all that, but we were lost. Lost as could be. Lost as a goose in a horse race, someone might say. He would definitely get left behind. Lost as a golf ball in high weeds. Amen. Now, we could turn from that, from heading south, we could turn and start heading west. Get some kind of religion, maybe Latter-day Saints or Jehovah's Witness or some of that stuff. Or then we could do 180 and go the other way and become some other, maybe an Eastern type religion. What have we never turned to? We never turned to the North, to God. But, get this, <clears throat> if I'm headed any of those directions, East, West, or South, and I turn to God, I will immediately, by nature, have turned from idols. So the preaching and the teaching isn't what we turn from, it's what we turn to. Yes, it'll end up, it'll, it'll cause that. Now, I'm a, my mother, and praise her memory, bless her soul, she's in heaven, been there many years now. One time she was witness to a lady in the community where my dad pastored, and she got to talking to her. They're standing at the, this little picket fence sort of thing there in Los Angeles, California, and they got to talking. She started giving her the gospel a little bit, talking about the Lord. And the lady stomped her foot and said, look, 
I was I was Roman Catholic, whatever she was, for 25 years. And I got up enough nerve to make a change, and I joined this other kind of church. And she said, I am not changing again, no matter what. Do you get the picture? She needed salvation. She didn't need to go from one kind of church to another kind of church, from one religion to another religion. She needed to turn to God, and when she did, she would have turned from idols. That's just a great picture. Now, I say all that to say that's what these people did. And when they did, our, our theme verse for the day is <clears throat> verse 6, And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. And I, notice these accompanying conditions. Look, you can, you can leave a marker there. We'll come over to Acts 13. We'll just run a couple, a few verses today with the time we have. Acts 13. But this, this, as soon as I think of this verse, joy of the Holy Ghost, I think of this other verse right here. And I think of the disciples, and I think of their example, and I think of when, he, when this book that you're about to look at, the Acts, is called the Acts of the Apostles. It is not the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Some things the apostles did in there were not necessarily of the Holy Spirit. It is appropriately, aptly named the Acts of the Apostles. I do not understand the arrogance with which people decide that they know better than a group of men that God put together like the King James translators. I cannot imagine putting myself in a position where no matter what I read or studied, and I've had to read and study a fair bit and collate manuscripts and all that kind of stuff. And those of you who've had to do it or know anything about it, you know what I mean by that. If you don't want to know what I mean by that, then you really need to stick to your King James Bible. Amen. And quit listening to people who tell you this is better translated. This really means this. This really means that. If you can't pick up an English dictionary, and, you, and I'm saying if you're an English-speaking person, <clears throat> if you can't pick up an English dictionary, then someone's most likely not on purpose, okay? But someone's pointing you down a, a, a road. You've got to trust somebody besides the Lord and your Bible. <clears throat> We're supposed to lead people with our voice. We're supposed to preach the word and be instant in season, out of season to reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. But we're not supposed to take the word of God out of people's hands and tell them what it says and means. Okay? So I say all that to say that when I think of these disciples and I think of what the Acts of the Apostles aptly named, fancy someone deciding that they know more then all these hundreds of years that God took, and by the way, it was a watershed moment when God published and put together this Bible, and he chose to do it, and he's done it all through the last 6,000 years of his history. He gave us this as the last universal language, worldwide language, before he comes back. All right, so anyway. You say, why, do you, why, do you, why can you not go a whole time without saying it? And I'll tell you why. There is nothing on the face of the earth, nothing I can hold in my hands that has been the blessing to me that my Bible has been. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. But it done so through this book right here in my hands. So in Acts chapter 13, the disciples have been called on the carpet, and they've been warned and they've been threatened 
And the Bible says that they took and they, verse 50, the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. They ran them out of town. Okay? You know, some of y'all, if somebody got run out of town nowadays, now look, I didn't say they did it on purpose. I didn't say they did it for political reasons. It was for preaching the gospel. Let me tell you, if you really just plain and simple preach the gospel, you, you'll, get, you'll make some enemies within so-called Christianity. But, expel them out of their coast. Now watch, but they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came unto Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Isn't that amazing? Come over to Acts chapter 5. When I think of the disciples, I think of this too. When I think of joy of the Holy Ghost. Now, today's almost gone already. Hallelujah. Wow. Uh, slow down for a minute with me. I'll slow down. You slow down. Joy of the Holy Ghost. Not joy. No, I, I, God said, appreciate your food, and I do. I'm so thankful that I can taste it and smell it and eat it. I'm so thankful I can get out and walk several miles a day on purpose. I'm so thankful that I, there's so many things I can still do. I'm very, very thankful. Every moment of the day, I'm thankful for it. But I know this. I need the joy of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost joys over things. The accompanying conditions were much affliction. The antithesis, the contradiction, was that they had joy in affliction. And the absolute conviction they had is shown right here in Acts chapter 5 when we won't get to the other verses today. Acts chapter 5. I love this passage. In Acts chapter 5, verse 40, to, to abbreviate it, and to him they agreed, and it says, And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They thought that would be enough. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to preach Jesus Christ. Do you have joy of the Holy Ghost? Do you have the joy the Holy Ghost would have? And now, keep in mind this. All day, ask yourself, what do I joy in? You want that joy? You have to embrace the Lord God as the absolute of everything. To turn to God from even your Christian idols. See you tomorrow.